Blog Talk Radio. Hello, folks. This is Carl. It is, uh, what, December the 17th? Um, one more week till Christmas Eve. And uh, incidentally, unless something out of the ordinary happens, I'm planning on being on the show uh, on this radio program uh, next Sunday, which is Christmas Eve, and also the following Sunday, which is New Year's Eve. Uh, so I'm, I'm not going to be taking off. The one thing I will say next week, I'm going to have to cease the program uh, probably around 10 after or so, uh, after four. I'm going to cut it short by probably 15 to 20 minutes because I do have to go. We're not having church service Sunday morning. We're having a, a church service uh, this eve, and I am going to go to that. So next week, as opposed to running from 3 to 4.30 on Eastern Standard Time, um I'm going to go from 3 to about probably 10 after 4, just so you're aware of that. Uh, so I don't think it's going to cause any difficulty that I'm going to cut off a little bit early, but just so you're aware of it. But I will be here next week, uh, about an hour and 10 minutes. And um, the following week, I'm going to go back to the normal, which we've always done. That's an hour and a half, which is 3 to 4.30 Eastern time. Okay. Uh, the phone number, if anybody wants to call in and take part or uh, a- take part, yes, ask a question or um, make a comment is area code 319-527 and it's 6208. 319-527-6208. And I might remind you that that is a toll-free call from anywhere in continental United States, whether it's a landline or a cell phone. And uh, you're, when you call in, if you're just here calling in to hear it, uh, which some people do, when I would listen to Raven on uh, her Wednesday night program, I'd always call in rather than getting on a computer. Um, but if you do call in, they're going to give you an option to hit the number one. And when you go to number one and you hit number one after you get connected to the to the uh, radio program, uh, it will tell you that if you hit number one, that I will bring you on and you can then speak. So you'll you'll see it's very straightforward. Uh, the only thing I would ask is if you do call in, and this is not a hard pass rule, it's just that for continuity, uh, maybe we'd want to, you know, ask questions or make comments about the very topic we're talking about, and we're going to be talking about again the cross of Jesus Christ, which I've said over and over every time we start doing this that it is the central point of all human history. Uh, where you spend eternity is going to be based on what you did with the cross of Jesus Christ. Do you feel it is the only solution to the problem of mankind? And mankind's only problem 
is one. It's sin. From sin, all other problems come. But remember, when Adam and Eve were in the garden and there was no sin, uh, it was in Genesis chapter 2. Genesis 3 is where Eve doubted the word of God and then Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit. But before sin was introduced to mankind, um, there was no problems. They were in the Garden of Eden. Everything was just perfect. There was no friction. There was no anything, no guilt, no condemnation. Uh, God saw them as they were, and they were perfectly happy and comfortable. Uh, They were working in the garden. They were doing their daily work. They were walking with God in the garden daily in the cool of the day, and they were without guilt, without shame. The moment sin into the world, and that's Genesis chapter 3, the moment that happened, all the problems of every type that you can imagine have now come upon mankind. And, I, and, and I'm going to make a very, very, very quick synopsis of that. All of our problems as we were, in, Gen, in Genesis chapter 2, Adam and Eve were 100% dependent on God, 100%, absolutely in every way, shape, or form, and there was nothing in the way of friction, problems, tension of any kind, diseases, illness, injuries. The moment sin entered the world, Everything came in as a result. So the central part of all human history is the cross of Jesus Christ, which Christ died on the cross 2,000 years ago. And I say that's a central part of it because that will determine whether you go back to that perfect life, which is a 1,000-year reign described in Revelation chapter 20, And then immediately after the the thousand-year reign, we have the great white throne judgment. And then immediately after that, all the believers who are in the thousand-year reign, reigning with Christ, all of them, and that's Revelation 20, verse 4 and 6, they will now, for all eternity, for the rest of all time, they will be in perfect happiness and peace in the new heaven and new earth. So the cross is the central event. What happened there? That God became a human being. He died on the cross. God who is perfect. God's law in Leviticus 17.11. And if you go to Hebrews 9.22, says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And that's Hebrews 9.22. In fact, let me read that to you. I turn right to the page. That isn't going to happen. Almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. I'm going to go to Leviticus 17.11. And this is what God demanded from the sinner, which was mankind. Mankind, for those church preaching and teaching, the seeker-sensitive movement, the join the club, the the prosperity gospel, uh, I'm not being critical of anyone in particular. I'm just critical of the mentality of it. 
I am sorry. It does not make we are not told to get better. We are not told we can do one thing to affect our forgiveness of sin. We're told in Leviticus 17:11, they basically what Hebrews 9:22 says, the life of the flesh is in the blood. I have given it to you on the altar to make an atonement for your soul. It is blood that makes the atonement for the soul. So here we go. So God has set up a law, and just get this. God has set up a law that if man sins, one sin, there's no getting better. There is no making the person better. The only way you will see the kingdom of God in John 3, 3 and 5 is by being born again. Born again means that you spiritually have to die. And you die in Romans 6, 3. Let me read Romans 6, 3. Okay. We were It says, know you not that as many of you as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Baptized into his death. Just follow the bouncing ball. So we have to die. But what good? All the animal sacrifices is the beginning of time with Adam and Eve pointed towards a lamb of God, a lamb, a year-old lamb who was spotless and without blemish, inside and out, meaning perfection. All the animal sacrifices for 4,000 years were very, very clear, very clear that the, the sacrifice must be perfect. So if you take us and we die for our own sin, that will have no effect on salvation. The life of the flesh is in the blood. I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your soul. It is blood that makes atonement for the soul. So it is very clear here, the sinner must die. But the sinner dying, which is all human beings except for Jesus Christ, who was also a human being, accomplishes nothing because we are not as those animals that were sacrificed for 4,000 years. We are not perfect without spot or blemish. So we got a problem here. What is the problem? The problem is man can only die for the forgiveness of sin. And that's in Hebrews 9.22 and in, in Leviticus 17.11. Now, here's the strange thing about it. God himself made a commandment of how man could be redeemed from sin. And knowing man could not do it. Why? Here's the key. This is why Christ had to come to this earth. Man could not occur sin by dying because man is born into sin. The blood of man is tainted with sin where we, we inherit that. And that's in Romans chapter 5 uh, and Ephesians chapter 2. 
Read Ephesians 2. Read, say, the first 15 verses, 20 verses. Read Romans 5, the first 15 verses. We, as a natural outcome of human birth, have inherited the sin nature of Adam and Eve. So all people who ever lived since Adam and Eve could die for the forgiveness of one white lie, which I don't believe is a white lie, a lie is a lie. But let's say we use that terminology. Sounds good. It's a white lie, which I don't believe in again. The smallest sin ever committed. Only thing that God would accept as payment for that sin and forgiveness of the sinner is the shedding of blood, meaning the sinner must die. But when the sinner dies, it doesn't affect the change of his soul. He's still going to go to the lake of fire for all eternity because his blood is sin-tainted from birth. From birth. We are born into sin. Again, Romans 5 and Romans are Ephesians 2 and Romans 5. That explains it very well. When Adam and Eve sinned, when Adam sinned, the sin passed down to everybody through the seed of the man. So here's the issue. We got a problem. God has said that the sinner must die and he must shed his blood. The problem is there's no man who was born after Adam and Eve who was not born from the seed of Adam and Eve, from from Adam's seed. Get it? Every one of us are direct descendants from the seed of Abraham, of Adam, every one of us. But that is tainted blood. It's sin tainted because Adam, a man, sinned. And he passed that down to every one of us. Again, I'm for the third time, Romans 5 and Ephesians 2 explain it very well. So the solution is a solution but man can't do it. Man has to shed his blood and die for sin. But even if we all died, everyone who's ever created from Adam and Eve to right now, it would not forgive one of the least sins ever committed by any human being. Why? Because man's sin, man's blood is tainted. It's evil. This is the reason we're celebrating Christmas next week. We're celebrating Christmas like next week. Let me give you, go to chapter 2 of Luke. God himself had to become a man and die on the cross. Just think of this. God himself had to become a man, and he had to die. He had to die. As a man, and shed his blood to fulfill his own requirement for the forgiveness of sin. So the sinner must die, and it and the 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 shedding of blood was the death of the sinner. But when the when the blood is shed, the life is in the blood, and that's in uh, Leviticus. Uh, Leviticus 17.11 and Hebrews 9.22. So 
we have a problem. God himself made this, um, this, the only forgiveness from one sin of man is the death of the sinner. But the sinner dies, he's got sinful blood, and that will affect nothing. Now, we go to Luke chapter 2. In fact, I have Matthew, Mark, Luke, let me get to it. Just bear with me here. I'm going to try to explain this in the best way I can. Luke chapter 2. We're going to go to verse 31. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and they'll call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest, the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and as of his kingdom there shall be no end. And this is what the angel was telling Mary, that she has been chosen by God to be the mother, Jesus Christ, physically. Then Mary said to the angel, how this shall this be? Being I not know, I know not a man. Now we're getting into why the requirement required God Himself to become a man. I told you that from the the seed of Adam, once Adam sinned in Genesis chapter three, Eve was deceived. Adam sins. Every other human being born from that time on is a descendant of the seed of Adam. But that seed would be forever tarnished, sin-laden. You're born with the sin nature. You don't have a spiritual nature. That's not till you're born again. The human being that God says has to die for the world to be forgiven of sin No human being could satisfy that if they were conceived as a descendant from Adam, which we all are. Okay, so here's God's plan. He had to become a man, fully man, fully God. Philippians is very descriptive of that, Philippians chapter 2. He became a man, but he satisfied the requirement of all the animal sacrifices since Adam and Eve to when Christ died on the cross and ended animal sacrifice, he satisfied that requirement because why? I'm going to read it to you in verse 35. In verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how will this be that I have been chosen to become the father of Jesus Christ, the Savior? Seeing I know not a man, no sexual, she never had any sexual relations with a a man. And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. Power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee will be called the Son of God. Do you see how God, he had to satisfy his own requirement for forgiveness of sin, and only he could do it because 
Only he would be conceived by the Holy Spirit in a human being. So he became a man, Jesus Christ, but he was the only man in all history who was not conceived from the seed of someone who inherited Adam's sin nature, that he surrendered his spiritual nature in Genesis chapter 3, around verse 5 through 7. Read that. Eve took and eat of it and then gave it to Adam. He ate of it. He sinned because God told him in Genesis 2 not to eat of that fruit. He did it willingly. He sinned. And from then on, every human being born through the seed of a human being who descended from Adam, which all of us have other than Jesus Christ, who was a human being, but Jesus Christ was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. For Jesus Christ as a man is the only human being ever born on this earth or ever will be who was not conceived by seed that was descended directly from Adam and inherited that sin nature. Now, when God himself, Jesus Christ, conceived by the Holy Spirit, when God himself conceived not by a man who has the sin nature in his seed by inheriting it from Adam and from Adam, when Jesus Christ took blood to shed, that is the only way sin could be forgiven because it was the blood of an innocent, stainless, sinless person that the every animal sacrifice pointed towards. So now we have Jesus Christ as a man. His blood is not the blood that sin tainted that every human being has received at conception that was totally a descendant of the sin nature of Adam. I call it tainted blood. So now we have Jesus Christ, a human being that is perfect, without sin, without spot. No spots on the inside, no spots on the outside. He never committed sin. He was tempted in every way that we were, but he never sinned. You see the whole purpose for the virgin birth that we're going to celebrate next Sunday or next Monday? The whole purpose, this is the only way God could meet his own requirement for forgiveness of sin of mankind. The only way. And I'm going to go to Luke chapter uh, 1, 46, 47. Listen to this. Mary said, before the child was ever born, when she said that she would agree, whatever the Lord wanted, she would agree. Mary said in Luke, Luke chapter 146, Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. The Lord was the one who was going to be conceived in her. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Mary spoke by the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what she understood of this, but this was the gospel. The baby that was going to be 
developed in nine months in her body was the Lord himself. And she had to, she knew that the Lord Jesus Christ she was going to give birth to would be the Savior of the world. Did she understand everything we're saying? The Bible doesn't say that. But she did utter the words, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary knew she needed a Savior. Does that satisfy? That's one of the things. When I left the Roman Catholic Church, I'm not criticizing Roman Catholicism. I believe there's people in the church that are saved. But when you add Mary in any way, shape, or form, novenas, scapulas, anything, to salvation, Mary herself is the one who acknowledged that she needed God, her Savior. Understand this. Please don't get emotional about it. It has nothing to do with emotion. It is the fact that Mary understood and believed what she heard in Luke chapter 1, where the Holy Ghost will come upon you, and by the power of the Holy Highest shall overshadow thee, and therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee will be called the Son of God. She understood when she asked the question in verse 34. Mary said to the angel, how shall this be, Being I, uh, seeing I know not a man? Means she never had a relationship with a man. And God told her right then, the angel did, excuse me, the angel, the Holy Ghost will be the one to conceive. So now you got the conception of Mary. Remember, sin is passed down through the seed of the male. The seed of the male is where sin is passed down. So she had conceived in her, not by man, not by blood tainted with sin, but by the Holy Spirit, which is God, which was perfect, sinless, without spot or blemish, both inside and out, as they would examine the inside and the outside of the animal sacrifice. And if there was one spot or one blemish, it was rejected as a sacrifice for sins. Hopefully, this makes, brings things together in your mind why God had to come to this earth, which we celebrate next week. And then on Easter, we celebrate his crucifixion because only he, being fully man and fully God, only he as a man could shed his innocent blood, which it had to be. No history of tainted by sin because the Holy Spirit conceived him. Now, he was the only one, God himself, in the person of Jesus Christ, was the only man that could pay for our sin. You see why this virgin birth we're going to celebrate next week is so critically important. I do pray that God gives you the understanding before I go into any of these, any of my Bible studies, whether they be YouTube I do three YouTube videos a week called Bible Interprets Bible. Uh, I do this program an hour and a half a week, and I have about, uh, well, let's see, that's uh, three, four. I have about 14 other Bible studies I do, three of them in person, 
and 11 of them on the phone during the week. And that was a carryover from COVID, where we did phone meetings, sometimes with one, sometimes with more than one. But in every one, before I do the Bible study, I pray that the Holy Spirit give you the wisdom to, uh, to, first of all, that he gives me the words to speak and explain it. And then that he gives all of us the spiritual understanding we need of the verses that I'm going to cover in a Bible study. And I've done that today. And I'm not doubting the, the, the veracity of prayer. I'm just saying, just think about the verses I gave you, put them together. They're not as, as detractors of the Bible say, the Bible's full of contradictions. No, religion is full of contradictions. Religion is the biggest enemy to biblical Christianity there is. And anything other than the innocent blood of Jesus Christ that you're depending on to save your soul, you are walking on very, very, very thin ice in eternal judgment. That's why I say the cross is the central part of all all humanity, what you do with it. Now, let's say you don't believe me, okay? You think I'm all wrong or partially wrong or I've got that, whatever. That's why I give you all the Bible verses. I, I've said them. I want you to look it up. I don't want your faith to be in what I say because then I'm no different than most of the modern ministry, which Paul referred to in Acts. In fact, I'll read you that so you don't think I'm just being a critical spirit. And you might think it anyhow, but I'm going to read you in Acts what Paul says 2,000 years ago in Acts chapter 20, going on in spades today. He says in verse 28 of Acts 20, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which God has made, over which the Holy Ghost has made you an overseer. That is, an overseer is a pastor. Uh, a spiritual authority in the church. Uh, which Paul and Timothy were. Anybody who has got the spiritual authority in the church, some of them calling elders, some are called deacons. I don't know all the terminologies, but whoever is what we would call the pastor, the spiritual authority in the church, take heed unto yourselves and all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you an overseer. If you're truly called of God, if you are, and that's a question to answer today, if God has truly called you, you have got to be very serious about what you tell people. That's why I say, I don't want you believing something because I said it and it sounded right. You've got to go to these verses that I'm giving you. I want you to believe it because the Holy Spirit inspired every word in the Old and New Testament. And when I give you the verses I've given you today in Hebrews 9:22, Leviticus 17:11, Luke 31 through 36 and Luke 1:31 through 36 and Luke 1:46 and 47 and Romans 6:3. I want you to go to those in John 3, 3 and 5 about being born again. You must understand this. I don't want to 
be flippant with this verse. Take heed unto yourselves and to all the flock which God, the Holy Ghost, has made you an overseer to feed the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. Feed them by the spiritual gifts God has given you to minister. You can't minister in your own power in anything. The fruit of the Spirit, manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit is where people see that it's God working in you and they glorify God because of what you're doing, not you. That's very big in the current church. Let me read you what Paul says about that in verse 31. No, in verse 30. Of your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things, to draw disciples away after them. This was 2,000 years ago. We've got that going on in spades today. Man wants you to follow them. There's even criticisms and snide comments and remarks made in churches by pastors I've heard, Bible study people, and the, and the flock themselves ridiculing another church, another denomination. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you an overseer to feed the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. And then two verses later, that was verse 28 of Acts 20, he says in verse 30, also out of your own souls men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Now, why am I reading this? I want you to please believe that these verses I'm giving you are not just to have killed the last 35 minutes of time. They are being given, folks, so you can prove to yourself that the Holy Spirit is saying these things, not me. I don't want anybody believing what I say based on my words without reading the words of the Holy Spirit. When you go into eternity, you are going to have to be convinced beyond doubt that what you believe is the words of God, which are in the Bible. The only thing Carl or any other human being can do in our best day is to direct you to the word of God because the word of God has the power. Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, and I'm going to go read that. Just bear with me. We have too many ministers today from the pulpit ridiculing the word of God. When they get to judgment, it's going to be very difficult to explain. So let me read 1 Thessalonians 2.13. And I'm not going to get it in 1 Timothy. 1 Thessalonians. Listen to what you're telling people, Carl. For this cause also we thank God without ceasing because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as is, is, as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually works in you who believe. Get that. For this cause, also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of it, 
of us. You received it not as the word of men, but as the word, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which works effectually in those who believe. That's why I've got to be very careful and make sure I give you the opportunity to read Bible verses, because I want you to be sure your faith is not in what I'm saying, but it's in the fact that you believe God's word, because that will work effectually in you if you believe it. Let me go to Ephesians 1.19. I'm continuing on this on this path where it says, let every, 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 let every thing be confirmed in the mouth of three witnesses. So I was, let's see, I think I gave you the wrong verse there. We're in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm going to read, uh, verse 13, not 19, apologize, 13, 113. Remember what First Thessalonians 2, 13, you received the word of God you heard from us. You received it not as the word of man, but as in truth the word of God which works in you who believe. That's why I want you to confirm everything I say by the scripture. Ephesians 1, 13 talking about faith in Christ. Well, let me read 12. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Jesus Christ, in whom you also trusted. You heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. That's the Bible. In whom also that after you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The word of God works power. I've heard pastors, teachers ridicule the word of God. Statements in print in black and white. We don't need any more Bible. The Bible is not pertinent today. Today is not pertinent to the Bible. Folks, this is a, this is, this, I, 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 I hope these people repent of this someday because as a minister and given the power of God, if they were called by God or if they weren't, they're using the word of God and they're profaning it. I don't know that there's many things you can do worse than that because now you're affecting other people. Again, Ephesians 1.13 or 1.12, we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ and whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation, which is the Bible, in whom also, after you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Please believe. You're believing the word of God has power in itself. Not my words. Only when I point you to the word of God. If I do anything else, I must be very clear. This is my opinion, and I'll do that sometime. Because there's some things the Bible is not specific with. Or maybe doesn't even cover some situations. But I can never give you anything and tell you to believe it unless I give you verses that show you why I'm there. All this, I've taken the last 40 minutes to give you the preamble of why we're going to celebrate the birth of Christ which 
the only thing that makes the birth of Christ the central point of all humanity is because if it was not, makes the cross, excuse me, the cross the central point of all humanity is if Jesus Christ was not born of a virgin and had been born by a sin-tainted man whose blood was tainted by sin and had been conceived, had conceived with Mary, had conceived by the sexual union with a sinful man, Jesus Christ could not have died for our sins. You see the necessity of the virgin birth we're going we're gonna to be celebrating next week? If Jesus Christ was conceived by a man, the blood would be sin-tainted and he would not measure up to what the Holy Spirit said in Genesis in the beginning. You will take a, a lamb of the flock without spot or blemish and he will be an innocent lamb without spot or blemish, meaning without sin. Jesus Christ never sinned. He died for our sins. He was totally innocent. But he was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's John 1.29, and that's where it comes. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Okay, I've done all that to explain the, the critical celebration next week in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to go back to Romans chapter 8, and we're going to make progress on that. Because Romans 8 is very, very well describing everything about the cross, why we needed it. And it, it's not totally, I mean, there's other verses. And I'm going to get into other verses about why the cross is, is so important. It is the central part of all humanity. Those who die with a lamb name in the Lamb's Book of Life will spend all eternity in the new heaven and new earth. The ones who die where their name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life will be into the lake of fire, and they will burn forever and ever in torment, never having a second of peace throughout all eternity. You will join the beast, the prophet, and the anti, and the, and you will, let me go to Revelation chapter 20. I'll tell you who you'll be in with. Revelation 20.10, the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever and ever. Then continuing in Revelation 20, we continue now in verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And there was plowed no place for them. I saw the dead, the small and the great, stand before God. The books were opened. Well, another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of these things which are written in the books according to their works. The sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell 
delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to his works. Verse 14, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Whoever's name was not written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And that was prepared for Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. And remember, in verse 2010, chapter 2010 of Revelation, they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That is your choice. The only solution to your sin problem, which is which puts you hanging over the lake of fire on a on a rotten with a rotten stick supporting you. The only solution for this is to believe and trust 100% that the virgin birth we're going to celebrate next Sunday, celebrate, was absolutely necessary and was 100% sufficient. It is 100% necessary and 100% sufficient to save your soul. Allah can't do it. Buddha can't do it. Mary can't do it. Joseph Smith can't do it. Nobody. No minister, no Bible teacher, no man can do it. Only man that could do it was Jesus Christ, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, a virgin birth, and therefore the only man who never had his blood tainted by sin that every other human being has inherited since Adam and Eve and will inherit it because sin is passed down through the seed of the male. Okay. We're going to go to Romans 8. We're left off at 31. It says here, what will you say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? The only way God is for you, folks, is if your faith is 100%, and I mean 100% in Jesus Christ and him crucified. You've got to have faith in something. There are people that have faith that their understanding, there's nothing in all eternity. They go into eternity like that. There's people who say, God never called me, and they go into eternity like that. That was the object of their faith. The object of your faith, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, I determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Make your decision today that that is the only thing you're going to trust. You're going to trust in nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Why? Because he is the only one who was conceived not by the sin passed down through the seed of Adam, but he was conceived by the Holy Ghost and has no sin ever committed, nor does he have blood that was never, was never affected by sin. He's the only one that could die for your sin and satisfy God's justice. Let me give you another verse that says the same thing. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. 
You say, oh, I don't believe that. That is up to you. I'm not here to tell you or demand you do anything. I'm giving you what the scripture says. That's why I'm giving you the scripture with it. I'm going to go to 1 Timothy 2.5. Just bear with me. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, and that man is Jesus Christ, verse 6, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Verse 7, whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle, teacher of the Gentiles in faith. Faith in what? 1 Corinthians 2.2. 2. Paul said, I determined to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. That means when you go into eternity, your faith is in only one thing. Not what Carl said, what Carl referred you to in Scripture only, the words of God. And the words of God from Revel- from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21 are all about your faith in Jesus Christ as the only Savior. You know, I remember once before Memorial Day, and you know, some of you might know that Memorial Day is when they, uh, Memorial Day weekend is when they celebrate the, uh, or they celebrate Memorial Day. And it's usually the last Monday in, in May. And they also run the Indianapolis 500 race. That's been going on. I, 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 I'm not going to say since the first race in, in uh, I'm not going to say the first race in 1911 was on Memorial Day, but for many, many, many years, it has always been run Memorial Day. And then about 30 years ago, they changed it from May 30th, which is the original Memorial Day, to the day we celebrate it, which is the last Monday, usually in May. But that's history on the Indianapolis race date is not the issue. I heard a gentleman by the name of Al Unzer Jr. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.